literally drains our brain (laughs) when it doesn't need to. So that's one of the first things that I have thought about. Like, really, does this need to be a Zoom meeting? Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast, everybody. It's Kim Skorupski, and you've tuned in to the special season of the H3, the Triple H, Habits and Hacks from Hopkins. And on today's episode, we have Dr. Charlene Gamaldo. Hi, Charlene. How are you? Hi there, Kim. How's it going? It's going great. Doing well. We've got a nice sunshiny day here in Baltimore, Maryland in the, I'd say the mid 50s. And it's always nice when the sun's out. And yeah, doing pretty good here sitting in my basement. Charlene, why don't you tell people who you are at Hopkins? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me on this podcast. I have been an avid listener and have gained and learned so much from this. And I'm thrilled to actually be a part of it. I am a professor of neurology at Hopkins, and I run the JA Center for Sleep. And we are soon to call it the JH Center for Sleep and Wellness. So this H3 podcast is so timely. And I also am the vice chair for faculty development for our department, as well as a provost fellow looking at leadership development programs to build upon at Hopkins. Well, well, well. So as you can see, podcast family, we have another brilliant superstar here at Hopkins. That's just a couple busy things on Dr. Gamaldo's plate. So I would love to hear more about the Sleep and Wellness Center, as well as your very prestigious Provost Fellowship, but that may not be for today. What habits or hacks or practices or routines did you want to share with the audience today as a leader Oh, so awesome. Well, first of all, I want to say for folks who may be interested in binge listening to your podcast that (laughs) I work very closely with one of your former participants, Dr. Rachel Salas, who's a certified strength coach who works with me in the sleep center. Um, And I'm also a certified strength coach as well. So we've like been thinking about this on steroids, right? (laughs) With this (laughs) pandemic and everything that's been going on. So when you asked me, Kim, to do this, I thought, all right, what would be um, an important thing that we've tried to integrate that hasn't been discussed or is um, Zoom and the Zoom fatigue and how do we mitigate that? Because that has become such a critical part of our day-to-day lives, whether it's professionally or socially. I feel like I want to put my head through the computer monitor when I see Zoom after Zoom after Zoom after Zoom. So, and I've actually even like decided I don't, I'm not going to do all the Zooms. I'm going to just call in sometimes and just go sit near a window or sit outside or go for a walk while I'm doing it. So I think this is a perfect time presentation. So take it away. Oh, awesome. So first of all, you are spot on. That was one of the things that I quickly became a student of in terms of how you mitigate Zoom fatigue is that we automatically went from how do we deal with we're not going to have face-to-face meetings to, okay, we've got to convert everything to Zoom. But people started to convert not just face-to-face, but things that we would have conventionally just done as a telephone call to Zoom. 
And it may not have been completely necessary and literally drains our brain (laughs) when it doesn't need to. So that's one of the first things that I have thought about. Like, really, does this need to be a Zoom meeting? If, If it's somebody who I know really well, I know their mannerisms, I know their gesticulations, I know Kim, do I need to make that really a Zoom? Probably not. I mean, so A, that's one thing to think about, because then you can really invest the time and energy for those meetings that have to be Zoom, that you can really be present and be there and not drain it for others where it's not necessary. So that's one thing. And to really take the time to kind of scope out your calendar to see if all of those meetings really need to be Zoom. So that's a big one. Another one that I think um, has been very helpful is the fact that we typically do our meetings in one hour blocks, and that may not be the right way to go anymore. So if we have a one hour block for Zoom, actually intend upon making that meeting end in 50 minutes. So you give people an opportunity to A, take a bio break, A, to stand up stretch in case they have to move on to their next meeting at, at the hour time slot. So those have been the two really, really critical things that I've I think have been helpful for Zoom. And then when you bring in, finally, I'll bring in the sleep and wellness aspect is, as you mentioned, the weather, it's beautiful today. We need to take that in is when you can do your Zoom and take in nature at the same time. If uh, ideally it can be outside, great. If it can't be outside, it's cold, but sunny, do it near a window. And that's another aspect that's so critical for us to sort of still feel connected with nature, still feel like we're getting some of the the natural happy pills that come with sunlight. And from an outdoor standpoint, as a sleep expert, we know that a lot of us are suffering even more so from vitamin D deficiency. So this is the way to grab that in, get those rays in, get that vitamin D while you're cranking along and getting work done during this pandemic. Those are the three top things, but I'm happy to pass the mic over to you, Kim, to, um, you know, tell me your thoughts. Well, Dr. Gamaldo, I love it again and always love your energy. And even though I can't see you, I can see your smile. And I love the way you put, you know, the first tip out there that the people you know, uh, the gesticulations, the body language, the smile, the affect, you're exactly right. And I'd never thought about it that way. I know you, I have a relationship with you, and then you will give me a pass, if you will, on saying, no, it doesn't have to be a Zoom. It can be a quick call. It could be an email. It can be a text exchange. We will allow ourselves, give give each other some grace and mercy and not having the pressure of having to be on the Zoom. And I love the way you did that because, yeah, I mean, once in a while, of course, I want to see the people I like and see their faces. But the the fatigue thing is real and and giving and the people who are in our inner circle or in in our tribe um will understand that no, get up from the computer, go somewhere, pick up the phone, go lie down on the floor and put your feet up. I don't care. Let's just take care of business and we don't have to be all formal. And that's I, I really like that you pointed that out, that the people we know we don't, you can be scoping out the important meetings that will require you to be present, the way you said it, to actually be there and alert and 
on your game. And as we know in Zoom, I mean, I'm just, I'm so terribly distracted seeing myself. And that, that, it takes energy out of you. And it, it, for me as an extrovert, I've talked before, I get my energy from people. And when I'm on the Zoom calls, everybody, it's just this one dimensional flat affect. It sucks my energy versus giving me energy. And then seeing myself and then focusing on, oh my gosh, I got to get that piece of hair out of my face. And do I, does my mouth really look like that? And do what is wrong with my head? I It really drains me. <laughs> Uh, are you? Oh my gosh, that is so absolutely true. I I was feeling that way, and then when I was when I read some of these articles, I said, "Oh my gosh, it's true." I'm like, oh my gosh, with this pandemic, I can't get my facial. Look at this wrinkle here. Look at this there. Up, uh, and I'm like, okay, so I am clearly not going to be as present <laughs> for this meeting if I'm 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 worried about those things. And you know, as a neuroscience geek. I was actually very interested in the fact that, you know, they had some neuroscience data to back that our brains are trying to exercise the same things we use in terms of the nonverbal cues through Zoom that we can't get. And so those areas of our brain are working overtime to try and get it because it seems like this person is in my face and we're, you know, we're live, but we're not getting those cues. We can't turn around and, and ask the person, oh, what did that, what did they say? What, what did that person just say? You, you don't have those opportunities. So even more so, our, our brain is being drained. And I thought that that was so fascinating to know that that's what's happening. So we've got to have some reserve recognizing that that's what's going on with Zoom. And how do we have sort of an off ramp? For the people that we know, the people that are, like you said, are very happy to say, kick your feet up, put on your pajamas. It's a telephone call. It's all good. Yeah. And, you know, being and being cool with that. And and actually, you know, as leaders, we really can advocate for that. So I try to do that as much as I can with even trainees that, you know, I feel comfortable with and I know and, and I could tell them, you know, it's cool. No, we, we, we can make this a phone call. So you, so that takes less of the pressure off of them, too. Yeah. It's fine. That that whole the neuroscience around that, that that you just said about the brain working overtime, that makes so much sense to me. And I never thought about it that way. I thought it was more just like a character default or deficit of me in my personality that's key see Kim this is what you get for being a crazy extrovert off the chart like sucking the life out of everybody else ha 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 now you're getting it back at you but I you're right I'm, I'm thinking about my my stressors on zoom is that I'm trying to at least when and certainly when I'm presenting you know all the the flaws of making sure I'm not on mute and making sure the lighting is just right and looking at the camera because that my big bugaboo is I because of I'm an extrovert and it probably makes sense now what you're saying about the the brain I'm scanning the room I'm always looking at the screens and flipping to the four or five screens I've got hundreds of people if I'm talking to and and I want to see them and then I get distracted because I'm thinking wow, that's a big cat. And um, um, why are you eating food? And what are you chomping so deliberately? And boy, that's a really thick smoothie because you look like you're choking. I end up getting so distracted by everybody and their backgrounds and their this. And I'm thinking, why is that person that has ants in their pants? Why can't they sit still? Don't they realize we can see them? And then I'm looking all over. Then I look like I got some, I'm gonna, on some, uh, recovering from some kind of addiction. My eyes are popping all over. Then I realize, oh my gosh, 
I'll look like something's wrong with me and I'm not looking at the camera. And then I'll end up staring at the camera. Then I feel like I'm just looking at a camera and then I'm feeling lonelier because I'm now I'm not looking at people. So it's all that, you're right, The my poor brain. I guess I gotta be nicer to my brain is probably just, you're right, it's working so extra hard to put my best foot forward while trying to scan the audience, while trying to read language, trying to anticipate questions. It is really, I guess it's more work than I thought it was. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and think about all the stuff you're still trying to glean from a meeting of hundred a hundred people anyway, and now in addition to that, all this random external stimuli, yes. <laughs> like you said, like oh wow, I love that person's interior decorating. <laughs> oh wow, what what does that picture say in the back? That is so cool. You know, like can you like uh, and and in the Brady Bunch screen, it's like when you really think about it and process it, it is a heck of a lot going on when you're still supposed to be on. Right. for a professional meeting and recognizing that that's going to happen. And especially for everybody in our community, everybody's a leader. You know, we're all as healthcare advocates, we're all leaders right now in this pandemic that we all have to be present and recognizing this is all going on. We're not going to, we're not going to let that go away. Then we got to give each other a break. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and for the times that that's not necessary, then just say, you know what? We can do an email. Yeah. We can do a phone call. And even it's it's sort of interesting you mentioned the background too. That's something as well as we move further and further along with, you know, our culture of Zoom is whether we think about the backgrounds, like can we make the backgrounds be something that is, is uniting but less distracting? Mm. You know, sometimes like you can do theme backgrounds and you know, whether it's, oh, we're going to have a social justice theme or, or this is the artwork. And, and then you, you actually make that something you tie in as an icebreaker to talk about it. And then once it's talked about and it unites us, then we move on. <laughs> so it doesn't distract us throughout the, you know, randomly throughout the meeting. But those are other things, you know, moving forward for us to consider as a way to, again, mitigate some of the Zoom fatigue and allow us to protect each other and give each other a break. That is a wonderful idea. That What a great concept of, think about that. I mean, I've heard, you know, early when the whole thing hit, people, you know, would do happy hours or costumes or animals or whatever, but that the background as a theme, as a conversation starter, I like that. I like that. Um, I like that strategy. That's a really good idea. What good leadership advice as usual. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, I think we continue to be students of this, right? And, yeah. And I just see, you know, I could keep looking at how other folks are doing this and thinking how, how we can apply it to, you know, our group and, and how, and so, you know, three months, four months from now, hopefully I I have even more things that, you know, that could be shared and, and we can share amongst our community on this. But yeah, I think it's, these are really exciting, daunting times, but I think, you know, we'll learn so many new things about how we interact and how we can protect each other and in this virtual world, which I don't think is going to completely go away post-COVID. Right. It's, this is a good foundation for us to build on. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Dr. Gamaldo, you are amazing, as I knew you would be. And this has been great insight and tips. Uh, folks, you've been learning and enjoying our conversation with Dr. Charlene Gamaldo. And hopefully you've learned a little bit about our brains and Zoom fatigue, because I know I have. And maybe she, we can get her to come back and talk about sleep and wellness, as well as her fabulous provost fellowship. Charlene, thank you so much for joining us today on the Faculty Factory podcast. I really appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too, Kim. And thanks for, for doing this. We all appreciate it in the community. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.